welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. And boy, do we have a great episode for you today. We got Mark Schofield from SB Nation coming on very shortly to break down some Patriots game action that we have coming up here soon. I hope everybody have had a happy holiday and a good but kind of nail-biting victory on Saturday uh, as the Bills have elevated their odds for the playoffs if you follow me all the way up to 92% as well as some likely scenarios for clinching that we'll get into toward the end of the show. As always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Go and check out everything that they have, as you can see over my shoulder, one of my favorite paintings that they have. So we're going to have Mark Schofield on here first. But first, how are you doing today, Kevin? I'm good, and I also want to say that tonight's show is also brought to you by Tuscany Market and Deli in Fredonia. Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer, offering an old-school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers, and more, as well as a full-scale deli, subs, and sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods, and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram and visit their shop at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of routes 20 and 60 in Fredonia. So you definitely want to check them out around the holiday season. And getting back to your question, Kevin, man, that was one collective exhale the other night because I think Ed Oliver saved Christmas for a bunch of Bills fans, myself included. He was the he was the Grinch that didn't steal Christmas. He gave it back. Um, so Ed Oliver had a fantastic day uh, over the weekend. One of the Bills' bright spots, one of the best contracts the Bills have signed, especially with the cost of defensive tackles and, and their cost coming up. But wait, I have a special guest to come on here. We'll have more in the Chargers game coming up later in the show, as well as clinching scenarios to end the show and what the Bills need to do to continue their trend toward the two seed. But I have to welcome friend of the show. We've had him for many, many, many years. Mark Schofield doing wonderful things across SB Nation. I see, Mark, you're doing F1. I'm doing uh, F1. You're doing F. Who's your guy? Are you? I, I don't really have a favorite driver. Um, I Lewis Hamilton. Say, I will say my first one-on-one -on -one driver exclusive interview was with Lando Norris back in April. So I found myself kind of rooting for him. Um, okay. You know, but I, I will also say that as a person that grew up in the Boston area, as a Boston Red Sox fan, I find myself rooting for underdogs. So I root for Haas, a team which is an American side that has absolutely struggled ever since joining F1 and finished dead last this year. So I guess I'm a Kevin Magnuson and um, Nico Hulkenberg fan. That's right. And friend of the friend of Josh Allen, Danny Ricardo. Danny Ricardo um, is back. And I have yeah. written a lot about their friendship. And I will say people love that bromance. Whenever yeah. I write about a Daniel Ricardo, Josh Allen piece, it does numbers. And that's always fun to see. Yeah, his shoeies. And uh, I, I'll, I'll admit, my brother-in-law is a huge F1 guy. He, he's an, unfortunately a uh, Max Verstappen guy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there but it, yeah, I mean, I, he wins so much. But, I mean, look, correlate that to the to the Patriots yep. dynasty that they had. I mean, there's really no difference currently going on in that sport. But, Mark, always love having your expertise. And, and look, we usually have you, well, I guess we've had you kind of a lot of different elements where the Patriots were medium, where they've been good, they've been bad. And now we're and then there's now, and then there's whatever it is now, but they're winning games. So I think a lot of Bills fans will never take, they beat the Bills earlier this year in a terrible performance uh, by the Bills defense, uh, much the defense is playing much better now, but tell me about it. Like recap this. I always ask recap the Patriots season for me, a couple of wins that are taking you down the draft rankings. I tell me how you feel. 
I I will say I will admit watching that game Christmas Eve, it was fun to watch them win that game, to come back and win that game. Denver has been a place where historically they've struggled. I think they were 11 and 17 playing at Denver coming into that game. They've had some tough playoff losses there during the Brady run. Obviously, you know, the champ Bailey, Ben Watson play the AFC championship game where they fell short. And it was fun to see this team compete. It's fun to see them sort of fighting down the stretch to get wins and not just packing it in. Yeah, it sort of hurts from a draft perspective. And now, you know, you might have played yourself out potentially of a top two pick. But, you know, there's still two games left that I anticipate they'd lose at least one about both of those games. So, it, you know, it's it's conflicting in a way. As somebody that's obviously got one foot in the draft game and who's very excited about the incoming Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels discussion we're going to have, you know, to see the potential to themselves out of a top two pick there is, is a bit frustrating. But – it is good to see them competing here down the stretch. It's good to see them play the role of spoiler, you know, a big win against Pittsburgh, a shocking win, I thought, against Denver. I don't expect to see that this weekend, but it could happen. Um, I'd give it a you know, single-digit percentage chance. But it's been fun to see them sort of compete. Of course, the Belichick story, what's going to happen in the offseason sort of looms large. Um We'll see how that plays out and if Belichick does get to even make that pick, you know, at the top of the first round next year. But I'll admit the Christmas Eve game was kind of fun to see. Yeah, it was very helpful for the Bills. The Both of their wins put the Bills in a position to really be nicely cemented yep. into the wild card. Yeah, we got some favorites here in the holiday Get, season. Getting rid of Pittsburgh and Denver were, were you know, they were they were some – it was a beautiful performance. I, I actually thought – I find Bailey Zappi to be interesting to me. Does he have a future to be a number two at least? Or do you I, think yeah. – okay. Yeah, I, I think – and that was sort of how I viewed him coming out of college was, look, he's your Colt McCoy, Taylor Heineke, spot starter number two, a guy that can come in and win some games for you, keep the team afloat if the starter goes down for three, four weeks or something like that. And I think he's shown that he can play in that well. And this offense has been – I'd say a bit more explosive since he's taken over. It hasn't been as sort of consistent and, you know, efficient, you know, there's been more variance to their offense, but it's been more explosive. And I think when you're struggling as a team, if you can just generate some explosives here and there, that's going to go a long way towards winning the game. That's going to go a long way towards beating a team like Denver, you know, on Christmas Eve night. So I think he's probably played himself into the role of, okay, we've at least got number two figured out. Obviously number one is a massive question mark. You know, I have people at SB Nation that tell me, look, this team's going to trade for Jan Daniel Jones and draft the Notre Dame tackle with a top five pick. And you're going to have to eat that. And I've also when I was watching this Bills Chargers game, I had this thought in the back of my mind, friends, that they're going to give East, Easton Stick the Matt Flynn deal. You know, they're going to go in a completely different direction than drafting a quarterback. You know, I've had Gardner Minshew thoughts as well. So I don't know what they're going to do at one, but I do feel like Zappy has at least shown that he can be a two. And look, you need that in the NFL today. We've got how many backup quarterbacks starting right now? How many backup quarterbacks starting pivotal games this weekend? You need a good number two in today's NFL. Do you feel like, okay, so Gardner Minshew is interesting. I mean, he, he led that team all the way into, I mean, they have a good chance to take that seven seed. They really, yeah. it's really right there for him. Is that the plan that you'd like to see in new England? Like that's not what I'd there? like to see. I mean, look, okay. I want to see them draft somebody. I I, I, I right. want to see them draft somebody my priority, my hope, my plan, A, B, C, D, E, F, G is for them to draft somebody at the top of the draft. But 
Is there a world in which Bill Belichick is still the general manager and head coach of this team come next spring and they go in a completely different direction? Yeah. They might decide in that scenario that, look, we don't want to break in a new quarterback. We don't want to go down this rookie road. We just tried it. It didn't work. Give us a Gardner, an Easton Stick, you know, one of these other options, Daniel Jones, whatever, and we'll build around that player. And could they do that? They could. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Now, I think if it goes the other way and it's a new GM coming in and it's a new head coach, they're probably want to dr- going to want to draft them rather than sort of swing on the trade free agent market. Great question here from Lance. I wanted to get to this anyways. Yeah. Um, it's the question, Lance. It I, is absolutely the question. And look, we all saw the report from, from Tom Curran that the decision had been made. I trust Tom's report. And, you know, I haven't been told that I've reached out to the people I can reach out to. And it, it's all sort of a, we don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I do think when the initial report from Tom Curran came out, it was after the Pittsburgh win. And there was no, no, that win didn't save them. But now you get another win on an Island game on Christmas Eve night, which apparently I, I was stunned guys when that number came out, it was 10 million. It was one of the best, you know, NFL network broadcasts in recent memory. I was stunned. I thought nobody was going to watch this game because it ended up being a good game. So I think people stuck with it. I think they perhaps have softened, you know, now you've got two wins on Island games in recent weeks against teams fighting for the playoffs. I, I think that might've helped. I think the biggest question is going to be, does Belichick want to go down another rebuild road? Because that's where you're at right now. Does Kraft trust him to do that from a decision-making standpoint? Because I think that's the real tension. Belichick, the GM versus Belichick, the head coach. I think if those were two distinctly different people, Belichick, the GM would probably be fired, but Belichick, the head coach would still be allowed, you know, keep coaching this team. You're a great head coach. It's the personnel decisions. When you, Look at their 2019 draft class. That entire draft class is either on another team or out of the league. Look at Mac Jones. Like when you miss on an entire draft class and then a quarterback and like almost back-to-back years and in, you know, two years apart like that, it's going to set you back. Now they've had some good finds. You know, I think, you know, Douglas, for example, you know, late round pick, that receiver, uh, they like him a lot. He looks like their next good slot receiver. They've always got the slot receiver positions right, outside receiver, as we've talked about, Kevin, over the years. They've missed on that a lot. You know, trading for Randy Moss doesn't count, you know, because it's Randy Moss. But they've drafted a lot of receivers like Nikhil Harry in that 19 class, and they've missed on that. And so – I think the hardest conversation will be if Kraft approaches Belichick and says, look, we want you to give up personnel decisions, but we still want you to be the head coach. Is Bill Belichick, who sort of came up under Bill Parcells, who told Robert Kraft decades ago, if you want me to cook dinner, make me shop for the, let me shop for the groceries. Is Belichick going to say, you know what, Parcells, I'm fine with just being the head coach. That's the tension I think that underlines this entire process. I thought weeks ago that it was done. Now I'm not so sure, but I still think it's more likely than not that Belichick is Washington, Carolina, Dallas, dare we say. I mean, that's Mm. a scenario that was – if they have a bad playoff loss and Jerry Jones loses all patience and Bill Belichick is potentially out there, he's going to back up, you know, the Jerry Mobile, you know, with the star on the side that we see at Indy for the combine. He's going to back it up to the vineyard and say, look, Bill, we'll give you everything. I'll even step aside from making personnel decisions myself. I think that's a potential scenario out there to keep in mind. I do think it's more likely than not that this ends with Belichick in New England and he's elsewhere next year. 
Very interesting. Hey, Mark. So I want to ask about the other Bill, Bill O'Brien. What can you say about him as the offensive coordinator for the Patriots this year? Because I know that was a big storyline coming into the season that maybe if Mac Jones has someone better than Matt Patricia, then maybe that can get their offense back on track. So I guess a two-part question, what can you say about Bill O'Brien so far? And then do you think the problems go further than just Bill O'Brien or even Mac Jones? Like, is this just one big collective failure of a season for this offense? I, I think the first two-thirds of this season, Kevin, were sort of a collective failure. You know, to go back to the summer, you know, there were many people that thought that Bill O'Brien coming in was going to get the best out of Mac Jones. I was at the front of that list. It didn't work. It didn't work. And it wasn't Bill O'Brien's fault. If you watch this offense schematically, conceptually, from a sort of philosophical standpoint, it makes a lot more sense than it did last year. Last year was a, and we talked about this, Kevin, last year, we talked about a broken offense. Like, it didn't make sense. There was almost no attention to detail at all. And if you go back, you know, to this time last year, you had people like Darren Wolofsky and Kurt Warner and others sort of breaking down, you know, play by play by play. I wrote about it a ton last year as well. You know, routes weren't right. Spacing wasn't right. It was just wildly off. It's been a more professional NFL offense with a lot of collegiate influences, which I think is to be expected when you have a young quarterback and Mac Jones. So the offense structurally is better. But that being said, I think part of the reason that we might see a new head coach and general manager next year is what happened last year with, as you mentioned, Matt Patricia. You know, when they, when Bill Belichick made the decision to put Mac Jones year two in his hands, it was a big roll of the dice. And it failed. It, it, it absolutely failed. And we may look back at that as sort of the catalyst, the impetus for the Mac Jones experiment ultimately failing in, in New England. And if you remember around this time last year when the season ended, they put out that. Everybody I talked to in that building said, yeah, that came right from Kraft. He's livid about how that position was handled, how that job was handled this year. And that was the first sign that, okay, there's some tension now between ownership and and the, the front office. And so, you know, I do think that what they did last year ultimately may have spelled the end of Mac Jones, but he did not help himself. And I, I think that there was, you could point to the pick in Dallas, some other picks that he threw. When, he, when Mac Jones is rolling to his right and then trying to throw back to the other side of the field, that is not Mac Jones. Like he was not put on earth to try that, let alone complete that throw. That's not his game. But he felt it, it was like if you remember the movie The Replacements, Keanu Reeves, Sheena Ackman, that scene about quicksand, right? I you I I bring that up all the time because it's a real thing. He was fighting quicksand at that point. He felt like he was losing his job and he was trying to do everything he possibly could to keep his job. And then that disastrous interception in, in Germany against the Colts. Mac Jones ultimately just was fighting so hard to keep his job. He cost himself his job here in New England. Um, so I think a lot of the blame, yes, there's blame to go around for everybody. But I think a lot of it is ultimately he was trying to do too much and it cost him his job. If you watch the offense now, Kevin, I, I still think in, in Zappi's hands, it's maybe not as consistent. Like Mac was good at hitting the five yard out throwing the check down screens and stuff like that. And Zappy, sometimes he misses those throws. He misses slants and outs and things like that, but he'll put back shoulder throws or deep balls where they need to be, or at least give his receivers a chance. And sometimes Jones was sailing those, throwing them out of bounds and things like that. And so I think the Bill O'Brien has been good. He didn't fix Mac Jones, which was ultimately his job. So he may have failed in that result, 
but the offense has been better, miles better than it was last year. Although, frankly, I think the three of us could have put together an offense that was better than what we saw from this offense last year. <laughs> Is Mac Jones done in New England? Yeah. I, I, I think that has to be, you know, I, I can't imagine a scenario where he's brought back. Like, even if they decide to, you know, not draft a quarterback at the top of the draft, I think they would bring somebody in to compete with Zappy rather than letting these two fight it out again. I, I, I just think the scarring is real, both for the player and the organization. Um, you know, when, when they brought in other quarterbacks and there was, a, you know, an inkling that, look, they might make him the emergency QB or QB3 or whatever, you know, that time has done. Now, do I think Mac Jones can find a job elsewhere and start somewhere? I do. I think he could. But I think we're now realizing that, like, the argument for Mac Jones' floor versus ceiling coming out of Alabama was a real one. The ceiling is pretty close to that with what the floor is. And the floor is probably a serviceable, like, tier four starting quarterback. Like, that's probably what Mac Jones could be at his best. And in an ideal situation, like, could he be doing what, you know, we're seeing in San Francisco with Brock Purdy? Maybe. Even I don't know about that because Purdy's got a little bit more athleticism to him. And that's one of the big flaws with Mac Jones is that the athleticism just is not there. And the hope was, and this is what I saw in him coming out, was as long as he is ahead of things with his mind, if he could see blitzes, spot blitzes, spot, you know, outside pressure or slot pressure looks and things like that and stay ahead of it with his mind, he's athletic enough. He was never never able to consistently stay ahead of those looks with his mind in the NFL. And this dated back to even his rookie year when he was got this team to the playoffs. Like it just never got there. Like sim pressure, slot corner blitzes, and things like that always gave him trouble. Yeah, for sure. And will we will it be two games of of, of Zappy or will we see Nathan Rourke? I think it'll be two games of Zappy just okay. to get him as much experience as possible. Because again, if if there's any hesitation about whether he is their QB two or not, I think they want to give him these two more starts. Now, maybe if they've come to the determination that, you know, he is the guy that's QB two or we're not going to be the guy making that decision. We're not going to be the group making that decision because we've been told that come the season it's, it's over, it's done. Then maybe they run Rourke out there or maybe he gets the second half in week 18, but I do think they're going to give Zappy these two starts. And do you think to Roy, great question by Roy. Do you think they'll be in position to take one of the top three? At the end of the I, day, when it's all I, said and done. I think one of the top three, but I think the other question is, will they be one of the top two? And now maybe there, there are going to be some people out there. I've already talked to some people both in the media space and in the sort of scouting personnel space of both the college and the NFL levels that are making strong cases for Jaden Daniels as maybe QB2 or even QB1. Like the draft conversation is going to be fascinating. As things stand right now, it's Chicago, Arizona, Washington, New England. I think if it stays that way, they can get one of the top three. I don't know if you get one of the top two. I think Washington's taking a quarterback. I, you know, I live down here in the D.C. area. The Sam Howell experiment is over. They're starting Jacoby Brissett. We're going to get a new you know, head coach general manager because the writing is on the wall with Ron Rivera. The new regime is probably going to draft a quarterback. And if Washington's ahead of New England, there's one off the board. Chicago is probably going QB. I think you have to, you know, you, you might want to give Justin Fields another shot, but 
you get two picks in the first round, two picks in the top eight as it stands right now. You're drafting a quarterback. You might as well do it at one. So there's two off the board right there. Arizona, I think they're sticking with Kyler, and they're going to take their favorite non-QB. You know, Kyler and Marvin Harrison sounds like a lot of fun to me. So that's probably, you know, leaving New England with QB3. Now the question becomes, is QB3 that much higher of a need? Is that much, is graded that much higher than, say, LT1? And that gets us back to the, you know, Mark, my good dear friend, JP Acosta, who I love more than anybody on this planet. He's basically told me since like October, he's like, they're trading for Daniel Jones and drafting Joe Alt. Like, just prepare yourself for that. And it pains me every time he says it because I can see a kernel of truth to that, especially if Belichick's still making the decision. I think draft order wise, yeah, they'll be in position for one of the top three to the question. Will they do it? I think they will if it's a non-Belichick decision, but I've seen Belichick do some Belichick things before. I mean, Cole Strange in the first round is in the back of our minds in recent memory here. So would they go down a different road than we expect if it's Belichick making the call? They absolutely could. I mean, Joe Alt look would look He's a really good player, but in your situation, he's a great player. But I mean, I think Bills fans are rooting. I mean, probably don't want a really premier left tackle in the in the division, but they probably pick that over a potential game. I mean, look, Caleb Williams in New England, I would love it. I don't know if they would do it. You know, Uh, Drake May, I would love it. Jaden Daniels, I would love it. But again, if it's Belichick. Look, he zigs when everybody expects him to zag. Now it's worked before. It hasn't worked recently. Would he do it again? Maybe. I mean, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. We'll see how this all turns out in the draft season. Maybe we'll get you on if we can. Absolutely. Some point, some point way down in the future. Because, look, we'll be at hopefully toward the bottom of the draft. And everything that happens at the top will be very interesting to, to Bills fans as it affects the division. Like, do we want another quarterback in the division uh, when you have whatever two was going to be? You know, obviously, if Josh Allen – don't know what the Jets are thinking with running back Aaron Rodgers. And then obviously right. it, it would be great to see if the, the AFC East gets another premier quarterback. That is all eyes on the new England Patriots um, and their franchise decisions, not only a quarterback, but GM head coach. There, there's a lot that's going to be determined over these next couple of weeks. It's, yeah, it's we going look- to be fascinating to watch. And look, we love a good succession story. We all just watched the HBO series come to an end. We've been wondering about how it ends for Belichick for a long time now. And we might be on the cusp of seeing just that. Be interesting to see. You think he continues his career? If he is, you think he does back into Carolina wherever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I he still wants Shula's record. So I think yeah. that's part of it. And as much as he would have loved to have done it in New England, like he's just, he wants it. And, you know, Tepper's going to write a check with a ton of commas on it if Belichick is available. I mean, I've been I've been told that that that's certainly an option Um, the Washington scenario has been out there for a while now. And again, those are two organizations with owners and ownership groups that would probably be willing to let Belichick do both. Yeah. You know, they'd be willing to, hey, you built some Super Bowl teams. You built two different dynasties. Like, yeah, you can be our head coach, general manager. We would gladly let you do that. And so I think there will be options for him if it indeed ends in New England. The Dallas scenario is one that I just can't can't let go of because, look, Cowboys are struggling right now. It seems like that next playoff difficult exit is on the horizon. And if Jerry loses his patience, as he's done before – and Bill Belichick is available. I mean, Ben Johnson's right succession. Themselves. What's going on in New England? Where where would New England turn? Offensive head coach. Def- <sighs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, that would seem to be the transition. 
would they look at O'Brien? Would they do that? Mm. Would they look sort of outside? You know, a name that I've heard of, we don't know how it's going to end in Tennessee, but Britt and Mike Vrabelholm would be something they would be interested in. Um, and I think, you know, whether he gets let go or he decides, look, I'm stepping away. Like I've, I've heard that as a potential possibility. Um, Britton Vrabelholm, I think, would be intriguing um, to ownership. You know, but there would certainly be some outside of the box candidates. You know, you think offensive minded coach, obviously Ben Johnson comes to mind. That's the name that's continually floated out there. So they probably look into that. Mike McDonald has done a tremendous job with the Ravens. And I, I do think he has played himself into at least the interview hiring cycle. So that's a name to keep in mind. I don't know if they would kick the tires on Kellen Moore. Um, I don't know how car- that Chargers job is going to play out. That could also be a Belichick landing spot, but I think they go GM, head coach. I, I think they divide it up that way. Um, a, a name that it's, I've started sort of thinking about in the past couple of days is Antonio Pierce. You know, I really think the Raiders should do what they did not do a couple of years ago when they had the interim that got them into the playoffs and then they turned around and hired Josh McDaniels. Like Pierce has that team playing well. I hope the Raiders retain him as the head coach going forward, but if not, He's shown he can get a team to play for him, and I think that's something that's kind of missing in New England right now. For sure. We have a Bills game coming up. For us, it's very large. Funny to say for you guys, you know, you've been in the reverse situation where you're probably playing a Bills team. You generally got it done, I believe, traditionally throughout history, minus games you didn't need. Uh, You got done for the most part. Bills are in the, the Bills are in that boat. They're very much battling the Miami Dolphins to be what was once foreseen as not even a possible opportunity as the number two seed in the AFC, Uh, the ability to play, obviously the Ravens have done what they need to do for the most part. They have one chance to do it this weekend to get the one seed, but the bills are very much rooting for the Ravens to be in the one seed, because that means the bills are playing for the two and a much different and, and, and more acceptable path. Now you're talking Indy, maybe then into Cleveland, maybe then into Baltimore, if that's the way it goes, which is surely a mightier, very easy path, very easy path for them right. as compared to what they've had, Burrow, Mahomes, uh, a couple of other, you know, Lamar, three straight in, in, in a game like that. Now you would get a situation to where you could avoid Arrowhead, um, something Mahomes hasn't been, you know, has been had the luxury to have most of his career, right. even though he's dropped four in a row. It's a big game for the Bills. From Andre Stevenson goes on IR. <laughs> what is the New England game plan here? Are they thinking, let's try different guys. Let's go heavy Ezekiel Elliott. Let's let's take some flyers. What's what's the ultimate goal here for the New England Patriots on Sunday as we just talked draft, but what are they thinking in this specific game? I mean, I, I, I think what you're probably going to try to do is make it a heavy Ezekiel Elliott game and try to turn this into a slugfest. The problem with that is – as the Bills have shown in recent weeks, they can win that game. Like, if this were the first meeting between these two teams back when they initially played, yeah, the Patriots showed they could win an ugly game against the Buffalo Bills. This is a different Bills team. And this is why I wrote a couple of weeks ago that, like, look, the Bills are the scary team in the AFC right now. Nobody should want to face them. And this was when they first started to, like, you know, make it seem like they could get in. They can win with the ground game. Make him win with their defense, which has been playing well in recent weeks. And, and that gives them a couple of extra cards to play other than the Josh Allen is an alien card, which is still a pretty good card to play. I think it's going to be a lot of Ezekiel Elliott, a lot of run game. You know, they're going to take their shots. And again, Zappy, Zappy has been aggressive downfield. 
They're going to do things on defense, which we've seen in the past. They're going to go. They, they've got a lot of interchangeable parts in the secondary, as they always do. They can go three corner to three safety in the blink of an eye with Bryant and how he's been playing well. And Belichick talked about that today as part of you know what they've been doing lately. So I think we'll see a lot of that. But they're banged up. I mean, you look at their injury report. They had three guys that were DMPs today. Brown with an illness, Mills and Peppers, who didn't go last week. You know, I don't know if those three are going to be able to go. A lot of other people are really banged up. And so I think it's that the plan A is a lot of Ezekiel Elliott and try to grind this thing down a little bit. Plan B is just going to start throwing some stuff at the wall, um, taking some shot plays, trying some trick plays, you know, seeing if you can get something to sort of click on offense. But it's not a game, you know, I wasn't a confident about this anyway, but it's certainly not a game I'm confident about given where the Bills are right now and given how banged up the Patriots are. Something that's interesting is the 11th ranked DVOA defense that the New England Patriots have. They're they're scrappy. Uh, they're they're a scrappy, a scrappy defense. Very good defense. They can still get after you a couple of different ways. They had this five sacks of Wilson. Although I think a lot of those were Wilson. We I mean we're recording on the day he got benched, and certainly the financial considerations are heavy in that decision. But he was running into sacks and ran into a couple of them against the Patriots. They they can create some turnovers. Look, they're a good defense, and it wouldn't surprise me if they force a turnover or two this weekend in this game. Um, the problem is just on offense, and this is a an offense that is still sort of struggling at times, and I think this Bills defense is a better defense than what they saw on Christmas Eve night in, in Denver, you know, and certainly a better defense than what we've seen right now with Pittsburgh and how banged up they are. And a lot of Pittsburgh's problems started on the offensive side of the ball with turnovers and short fields, which certainly helped New England. So I, I think, yes, is there a path where the Patriots somehow steal this game? Yeah. Would I bet on it? Absolutely not. Percentage chance it happens? Maybe five. Yeah, that sounds about right. 29th DVOA is Denver's defense. Yeah, um, and, I mean, and it, it showed. Yeah, um, it absolutely showed. For a game where I thought they were going to come back and win, unfortunately. I thought Belichick – the look on Belichick's face was interesting at the end of when they made that field goal – was like I don't it was I don't know it was like you saw Bailey Zappi jumping around for joy and then you see Belichick like a little confused. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think a lot of that was he probably even didn't expect Ryland to make that kick. I mean, Ryland's been struggling. I mean, you draft a kicker in the fourth round, and as Patriots fans are very quick to point out, you pass on Puka Nakua. Although not too many people outside of the draft community knew Puka Nakua anyway, but Patriots fans are certainly quick to throw that out. Like, oh, you pass on Puka for a guy that can't make extra points, let alone field goals. You know, Ryland's been struggling. That's part of the reason why I enjoyed the way that game ended because he made a big kick. He certainly needed that. But part of that look at the end, Kevin, might just be in sheer surprise that he made it. Yeah, I mean, well, at least you're playing the Bills. The Bills have let up their kicker defense. 27 out of 28 kicks have gone through for the Bills. One a miss was 12 men on the field. Uh, they got a re-kick on it, and the Bills lost to the Broncos yep. earlier this year. But much similar to um, earlier this season when they were coming off of some devastating injuries of Daquan Drones, Trey White, and Matt Milano, the Bills had to do some adjusting, and they did not have the defense adjusted yet um, in that New England game. Josh Allen went down the field, 24, 25 points. That should win you a game, uh, especially against a New England offense that later benches Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that, I mean, averaging 14 points a game, you get to 17 to 20, should do it. But there, we've seen this New England offense a little bit pesky in we recent weeks against some bad defenses. The Bills' defense is humming. You know, they're getting after quarterbacks. 
Uh, they're getting it done that way. How is this New England offensive line? That is something that everyone was wondering about. Like it's banged up. Uh, you know, the center is going to make break a record, right? I believe Andrews yeah. is going to break a record. Yep. Yeah. Um, there is that, but like it, it's been a banned up group all season. And, and that's also been part of the struggles with Matt Jones and was part of the struggles with Matt Jones. It's a banned up group. And it's not like Zappy is a super athletic quarterback. So there will be opportunities to get after him. There will be sack opportunities, strip sack opportunities. You know, if Brown can't go, that's certainly going to be a problem because they're thin anyway. And if he's got this illness, and anytime, look, anytime you get to the winter and you hear players mispractice DMP for illness, you wonder if you're going to have a flu situation working itself through the locker room. So that's also something to keep in mind. But, you know, this is a band up group. They've had to turn to some young guys, um, kid from UCLA who I do like, but, you know, they're having to rely on him a lot. And so it's a banged up offensive line, too. I mean, it's a band up team, band up offensive line. Um, we'll see who's going to be able to go and if Brown can be able to go this weekend. But here we are on Tuesday, you get a DMP that never looks good. Yeah. Is, was Brown, do you, I mean, generally speaking, early on illnesses should be okay, but I mean, Bailey Zappi, 15 sacks, he's allowed 10% of the, of dropbacks he's getting sacked. Is yeah. that on him? Is he holding some the ball of it to is. I mean, okay. some of it is. I mean, a lot of the pressures are sort of invited pressures, I would say. I know PFF charts that. I don't have the number in front of me, but some of them are on him. You know, some of them are, you know, guys are missing, you know, early in the down. Um, and, and, you know, because of, you know, you've got Hunter Henry bend up, who is very good at, you know, the chip and release game. Now you've got other guys doing that that maybe aren't as good, aren't as experienced at doing that. So that's also a, a factor at play here. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is is a very good for the most part, is very good for the most part of pass protection, but he's not on the field all the time. So you got some other backs that are trying to do that as well. But Zappi's invited pressure. He's taking some sacks that he probably shouldn't. You know, he needs to do at times a bit better job of sort of getting rid of it, throwing it away. But there will be opportunities for this, this Buffalo pass rush to get after him this weekend. 54 Mark, so, sacks for the Ravens, too. 52 for the Dolphins, 50 for the Bills, 48 for the Chiefs, and 47 for the Colts. Five of your seven AFC playoff teams yeah. in the top five there. So we'll see how that looks. Mark, so, <clears throat> excuse me. To your point, the Patriots have a pretty good defense for the most part. They are eighth in total defense and then second in run defense. But then on the flip side, we've been talking about the offense, and they are dead last in scoring, only averaged 14.1 points per game. So to me, this comes down to Josh Allen. As nice as James Cook has been over the last few weeks, it might be a little bit tougher to run on the stout defensive line of the Patriots. So I think this has to be a week, especially with the season on the line, getting down into crunch time, you have to put the ball in your best player's hands, Josh Allen. So to me, Allen and Stephon Diggs are going to have to rekindle that chemistry because Diggs was held in check once again, and he hasn't gone over 100 since week six against the Giants. So he's been productive, but he hasn't been the same Stephon Diggs that we've known to love here. So to me, it's going to come down to those two this weekend. So my question to you is, is the Patriots secondary vulnerable? Will they give up those big plays? Because I know Diggs has had his fun with the Patriots over the years, but obviously this is a different team. And like I said, Diggs hasn't been his normal self as of late. So do you think that this is a week that he can kind of snap out of it? I, I do, Kevin. And part of that is, look, Mills and Peppers are two sort of essential parts to this defense right now. Peppers obviously didn't go last week, and now Mills has got a, a, a concussion as well. And if they can't go, you know, it, it's going to be very difficult for them 
to sort of contain Allen, to contain Stephon Diggs. You know, and they've had trouble with Allen in the past. They've had trouble with Diggs in the past. They've had trouble with a couple of different Bills receivers in the past. And part of it is because, you know, you want to play man coverage. That's what Belichick wants to be. But sometimes you don't want to play man coverage against Josh Allen because, as we've seen him do before, he can run it on you when you're in man coverage and you get defenders running with their backs to Josh Allen. And it's an opportunity. And the Patriots have talked about this over the years between these two teams when they face Josh Allen, the difficulties of defending him, you know, because it sort of separates you from where you might want to be philosophically as a defense with more heavy man coverage stuff. So, you know, particularly if Mills and Peppers can't go, yeah, this could be a, a huge game for Josh Allen. It could be that sort of, like you said, breakout game for Diggs in the sense that he hasn't had the 100-yard game in a while and Bills fans are kind of waiting to see when the next one is. It could very well be this weekend. He's had to play against some top-end corner ones in recent recent weeks, yeah. too. I mean, Diff- talk- Different this week. Yeah, you're talking about some top-end guys. Even in the Chargers, have Asante Samuel yeah. was, was kind of monitoring him. You know, you had Deron Bland. Uh, you've had some some situations. To, I mean, you had prior to that, then you have DJ Reed. Always tracks Stephon Diggs. So you have yeah. a, a slew of top 15 generally rated corners against him. So we'll see what the Bills. Then you have Jack Jones getting released and uh, uh, kind of trolling the Chiefs um, yeah. I mean, last week. You know, what, what was that? Why was he caught? He seemed to be a lot of potential where I would take him on the Bills, even though the Bills are stacked at corner. What, what's the deal there? I mean, it was, it was sort of an off field rules, tension, okay. violation okay. kind of situation. But like, look. You've seen what he's done with the Raiders. I mean, yep. he had that pick six against the Chargers, which was an incredible play. Obviously, the pick six this weekend. Like, he's played well. And, Oof. you know, it's it's a situation where you wonder, hey, if you're a Patriots fan, why can't we get guys like that, right? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Tell me how the Bills win this. Thank you for so much. We appreciate your half an hour. How do the Absolutely. Bills game plan against this New England defense? What's the best way they get out of Orchard Park with a win? Um, in your well, I mean, I, I think sort of to Kevin's to Kevin's point. I mean, I think you put the ball in Josh Allen's hands. Like the Patriots have a very good run defense, and it is great. And I think it's huge for Buffalo going forward because you, you sort of map out. Look, if they end up the two, you get you know a couple of home games. You know, who knows what the weather's like in January in Buffalo? You guys know it better than anybody. And then you might have to go to Baltimore for an AFC Championship game. That's down where I am. It can be cold, rainy, windy, icy here in January. You might want to have that run game element. But a game like this against a good New England run defense, put it in Josh Allen's hand. Let's 17 win this game, especially if the secondary is as banged up as it looks right now. If it stays banged up this weekend, there are going to be some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game. Yeah, you work the run in here and there, but I think this is a big 17 game. I think it's a big 14 game, and I think it's a game that Buffalo wins going away. Minus 20% the DVOA, uh, New England against the run. That means they're 20% better than average at stopping the run. It's very good. You saw Joe Brady kind of get in his own head a couple weeks ago when he dominated Dallas in the run game. Kind of tried to go to it again. He wanted to make sure he hammered the run. 20 James Cook carries weren't overly productive. They were decent at times. They weren't great. A lot of a lot of the success said that the Bills are very successful throwing on first down uh, per their metrics. So we'll see if they dive into that. But I do happen to think that they'll have the advanced numbers in front of them and saying running Absolutely. early and often on the number two rated run defense no. doesn't seem like a great game plan unless there's some reason or New England really can't move the ball or the 31st ranked special teams that New England has shows up. Something like that, I can't yep. really see a reason to where you get crazy outside of a crazy blowout where New England's offense can't can't move the ball which could happen 
yeah, punting. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe we see a little more running. They just want to shorten the game, get yeah. out of there up, up 10, up 14. Uh, that's, that's all they need. They don't need flash points at this stage of the season, Mark, but what do you have as this final score and give us your final prediction of how this AFC looks? Yeah. I mean, I, I think final in this game, I'm going 27, 10, you know, I, I think Buffalo sort of wins this going away. Um, you know, as far as how this AFC looks, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think Baltimore gets the one. Yeah. You know, I do think Cleveland, they're, you know, obviously in Jacksonville is going to head on in the South, although they certainly seem to be sputtering right now, you know, in terms of who gets into the six and seven spots. I mean, I kind of like Houston getting in, you mm-hmm. know, as the seven, just because, look, Indy plays the Raiders this week. That's a Raiders team I don't want to face right now. And then those two teams play in week 18. So I think Houston finds a way to sneak in between Buffalo and Miami. Ask me, you got to pick a winner next week. If you have Baltimore winning the one, that means the division AFC East is on the line, probably on Sunday night football. One's playing for the six, one's playing for the two. That's pretty much how it would break down. What do you have happening? I would not want to be Miami in that situation. I mean, the way these teams are playing right now, I know the Dolphins, look, they just got their first sort of like quality win, right? They beat a Dallas Cowboys team, but you know, I, I don't think they're going to be able to beat my beat the Ravens. Ravens look so good right now. And then look, week 18, anything can happen with the way the Bills have been playing recently. I'd rather be the Bills than the Dolphins in that one. Nine and one in their last games. As you follow the AFC East, you'll know that Josh Allen does seem to dominate outside of one really weathery 105 degree temperature day in Miami. Outside of that, you've seen a a dominance by the Josh Allen Bills against Miami. So we'll see. It'll be a great one probably on uh, prime time at the end of the day. But Mark, we really appreciate you. Tell us what you're working F1 not like. Tell us what you got at SB Nation. Are you yeah, still at Paul Pit? What's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm SBNation.com all the time. Um, NFL, obviously, is the, you know the job title is NFL writer, but carved out a little F1 stuff too. So I'm doing you know doing both. It's been a ton of fun. Um, we got we'll have this week covered for you. Uh, we got the college football playoff covered as well. You can find it all at SBNation.com or at Mark Schofield on the Bird app. Mark, we appreciate you. Not going to get game three this year, but I'm definitely no. seeing if you got a got a minute in April because we definitely want to touch base draft season and we'll love to have you. Could break down the Patriots and others uh, in April. So, Mark, thank you, you so it. much for coming thank on you, as always. Have a good one and enjoy the final two games in the Patriots land. Very much looking forward to the end of the season. Let's put it Absolutely. That way. Thanks a lot, Happy Mark. New Year, Fred. You. See you yeah, guys. You too. Happy New Year, Mark. <clears throat> And that's Mark Schofield from the uh, SB Nation, Kevin. Great guest as always. We've had him for multiple years on the Going Deep show. Um, so it's always great to have him. What are your initial reactions? I know we asked him a lot of questions, but what do you think about these New England Patriots coming to Orchard Park Sunday at 1? I think that my reactions from our conversation with Mark is kind of similar to what we talked about this past week going into the Chargers game. And I think it's just two similar game plans against two struggling teams who you know they're going to bring it because these kind of teams have nothing nothing to lose. And when people were asking me throughout the weekend, like, man, why did the Bills have to make it so close? Why did it have to be down to the wire? The Chargers are terrible. Why, why was it so close? Why didn't the Bills win by more? And the only thing that I could come up with was the Chargers didn't have anything to lose. I mean, we talked about it last week with our guests, and then you and I talked about it afterwards, how – You know, I I predicted a huge win, but then after thinking about it, it it did make sense because, you know, Giff Smith was coming in, trying to light the fire under the Chargers. They just got blown out in historical fashion the week before. 
So there was no way that the Bills were going to win 63 to 21. That just doesn't happen two weeks in a row. So, you know, I was a little upset that the Bills didn't win by more. But you know what? A win's a win. The Bills did what they had to do. It was way too close for comfort. But ultimately, they, they won. So I think moving forward, talking about this game against the Patriots this week, it could be another slugfest where you know that the Patriots are not going to go down without a fight. And Belichick is still one of the best defensive minds. And he's going to come up with a plan for the Bills offense and Josh Allen. And the Bills are going to have to be ready to throw some counter punches. And it could be another ugly game where maybe the Bills can't even eclipse 30 points. But the thing is, they're just going to have to be ready to bring it. And it really doesn't matter. We're not going for style points anymore. Just get out of there with the win. I will say the one difference between the teams are kind of opposite styles. Kellen Moore has that offense and Easton stick roaring. They got the dead cat jump bounce that um, the, our guests last week did not think they would receive. They did get it from the looks of it. Uh, Giff Smith did have them motivated and playing well. Like top two special teams versus bottom two special teams. We did see them create a play on Deontay Hardy in that game. Well, is that a good special teams play? I don't think their special teams played particularly well in Chargers. I thought I thought Darius Davis was actually struggling. Um, he was muffing kicks as well. Uh, he wasn't great in the return game either. For I was kind of scared of him. But the opposite thing happened where Hardy kind of was forcing it, ran right into defenders. Should progress have been stopped? It would have been, in my opinion, if that was a running back. But in a kick return setting, you don't really see progress being called in those settings very often. Uh, and then he loses the ball way late in the play, which he was before his knee went down. Uh, but the progress was stopped to me. However, Hardy's got to be better there. And we saw a situation to where that this New England uh, special teams, Kevin, is terrible. Uh, it's kind of the opposite situation. Uh, we didn't really talk about it with Mark too much, uh, but they've had some crazy blunders um, going on there. In six days jet lag, that cannot be. I mean, people hate this comment. Um, but I agree with it. I mean, I think that there's definitely some jet lag situations going on there, going to LA on six days, rest three time zones, uh, holiday season, uh, and nine days with a new coach. There is a little bit there and the bills still did get it done to overcome the time of possession and the three turnovers and some more questionable penalties throughout the day. I think teams are like 10 in one eighty around that number when you lose all three of those in a specific game. So the bills uh, bills did get done something win a close game. I thought McDermott had a really good coached game. I really do. Uh, I really thought he didn't rear his head in doing, making some bad decisions. I thought the way he played aggressively played toward the end of the game and the pressure that he was able to create uh, with Ed Oliver was amazing, Kevin. So that was great to see. And I think it's a little bit different of a New England team where it's kind of reverse, where you're going to get a little bit more stout of a defense, even though the Chargers defense did give the Bills fits at times. Um, but I think the Bills will adjust and realize, like, back to Mark's point and your point earlier, throw the ball a little bit more. They've had some success in these specific games. Just because everyone kind of liked the 20, 20 plus carries um, doesn't mean like that's the only way that this team is going to win. Let's see what Josh Allen can do to put himself, really cement himself into an MVP type of game against the uh, Dolphins. If the Bills are able to win out and you get a Baltimore win, Josh Allen's right there at MVP conversation, whereas it's just not, in my opinion, a debate at the moment if he's a wild card. So we'll see if he's able to get it done going forward because this Pats team did beat the Bills already. Josh Allen played pretty well in the fourth quarter but was stymied throughout the day in New England. We'll see what happens here in Orchard Park and what I think will be a get-right game. This is a little different of a situation than last week, too, in terms of 
a coach that may or may not be there in a game or two. They want definitely want draft position. There's no dead cap bounce. Uh, it's just different, different on every element. Kellen Moore is a really good offensive coach that gets the most out of people. This offense is struggling in New England, uh, really where they have a pesky run defense. It's completely opposite scenarios. Good special teams, bad special teams. It's completely opposite scenarios, but a similarly um, record team. This is the kind of team, in my opinion, the Bills, especially at home, will generally produce better, will, will be better than in, in a situation than um, on the road in the Chargers where, Kevin, the road record's a little bit worrisome to me. Um, and how they've played on the road in general has been a little bit of a concern minus an arrowhead. Uh, the defense has played fairly well traveling. The offense has struggled on the road. So that is something where really where this two seed is of utmost importance. But what are your game plan specifics to this game? What, what what ways do you think the Bills need to go? Do you think, are you running it on this number two rated defense? Are you thinking this, the, the digs, as you've mentioned to Mark? Tell me about what this Bills offense needs to do against this Pats defense that's pesky, but does struggle a lot against the pass. Well, you know, before we get into my thoughts on the Patriots game, I just want to go back to the Chargers game because – for as much as we talked last week about how the Chargers defense was, I don't want to say terrible, but based on the numbers that we presented, they had what? The 30th pass defense. I believe they were 28th overall. And we, myself included, I was the lead one here saying this should be a big week for Stefan Diggs. I'm going to need him to have 10 catches, 150 yards. I need to win my fantasy league. Well, you know, I, I, I lost. So there was that. Mm. Diggs had 7.9 points. So I lost by 16 points, so maybe if we saw week five Stefan Diggs, I would have won, but that's besides the point. But the point that I'm trying to make is I, I kind of want to throw the numbers out of the window here because I thought that the Chargers were just, I don't want to say lay down, but I thought it was going to be pretty easy for the Bills to move the ball. And they look like they were almost lost and they were sleepwalking. And to your point, maybe there was a little bit of jet lag involved, but, you know, Diggs was almost invisible. Gabe Davis did have a solid game, but outside of Gabe Davis, it just seemed like a struggle for the Bills to move the ball. And a lot of these no names, uh, when we were talking about them last week, you know, we're we were talking about Michael Davis. I'm like, who's Michael Davis? And uh, what was that guy's? I can't remember. Dean something. Just a bunch of no no names, undrafted for agents who were starting against the Bills. And going into it, you're like, okay, I like our chances, but they were scrappy. They were very scrappy. They wanted to play spoiler. Uh, Derwin James talked about him last week and how he had a down year. Well, I thought he had a very solid game. Khalil Mack was Khalil Mack. So as much as we talk about the numbers and say, well, the Patriots offense is terrible, we should be able to beat them just for that purpose. I don't know. Like sometimes I just want to throw the numbers out. And I guess looking at it from their defensive perspective, that would work in our favor where it's like, okay, they have the good numbers. So maybe reverse psychology, the Bills offense is going to get back on track this week. But regardless, sometimes I just want to say as much as we do talk about the numbers and try to present them on our show here, I think we just need to go into it thinking that no matter who the Bills play, it's like you're playing a top five opponent every single week because you're going to get their team's best. And, you know, Bill Belichick's not going into this saying, hey, let's lose the game so we can get a better draft position. No, I mean, they want they want to play spoiler because the Bills have been trying to play spoiler against the Patriots for years. Now the roles are flipped, and you got to forget about the numbers and just go into it and say, let's go play the best football that we can. 
Interesting, Kevin. So what is saying all that numbers aside, using numbers, whatever you want, what is the game plan then for the Buffalo Bills offense? Yeah, I think it, it starts with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and everything else will trickle down from there. So even though I was just saying you got to throw out the numbers, I mean, you do have to pay attention to them to a little bit because like we talked about with Mark, the Patriots run defense is rated second best in the NFL. So you do have to pay attention to that. But I think if you can get things going with Diggs early on, that'll open everything else up. So if you start with Diggs, then you work your way back to guys like Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid. And then once you work back from there, then that'll open up for James Cook. And then once you get the defense sucked in with Cook, that's when you take the top off with Diggs and Gabe Davis again. Why don't you tell us, let's... I mean, there's no time better than now. Let's bring up those numbers. Let's see what these numbers look like from a uh, just a box score standpoint, and then I'll talk about some more advanced statistics. So why don't we talk about the numbers we're referring to? I do think the thing about the numbers where the Bills, to my point earlier, they ran too much. I'm sorry. Like, I know we want to run late in the year, and it's snowy, and like we like the Cowboys game. The numbers had to throw it, Kevin, against that pass defense. Um, I know we were kind of coming off that run game but the EPAs and the effectiveness of the Bills passing game last week was really good. Like they were very effective. They didn't throw the ball enough. A um, couple turnovers got in the way. A couple penalties definitely got in the way, ruined some drives. The um, tripping, which was marginal fine. The holding uh, on Mitch Morris was terrible. Um, to follow that up when Josh Allen sat in the pocket and found Gabe Davis again over the middle for a first down after the tripping, um, ruined a drive. So what can you do in that when you're looking at first and, you know, you're essentially looking at first and 35 uh, for the most part. So just isn't much to do. And the bills barely got out of, got out of it as Josh Allen was trying to make a play. So outside of those situations where you, you were robbed of a, a possession or two. Uh, and then obviously you had uh, another James cook fumble uh, and a Deontay Hardy fumble, um, which got in the way too, but the bills throwing the ball, I think they've learned their lesson at home. They can expose one of their best players. In my opinion is Jabril peppers. Um, you know, will he play in this game? I don't know. He's the fourth rated safety on PFF. He has some really good advanced numbers. Uh, he's super good against the run. So that's definitely a, a side note. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to go, but he did not suit up last week uh, with a, uh, with a hamstring. Jalen Mills is out on concussion. Trent Brown has that illness. I'd expect you would see Trent Brown, um, but Barmore's limited. Juwan Bentley's limited. Miles Bryant's limited. Hunter Henry still has the knee. Um, you know, you got Jonathan Jones on the knee. You got Sean Wade on the hip. So you got their entire starting secondary in some form or fashion, for the most part, their entire start starting secondary out on an injury. So let's bring up those box score statistics uh, here now, and we'll kind of go through those um, as what, what do they look like? like? Let's let's talk about that for a minute, and then we can kind of formulate the rest of our game plan. Yeah, so in terms of the offense here, so total offense, Buffalo is still top five. They come in at fourth averaging 374.1 yards per game and then new england is all the way at the bottom they are only averaging 285 and a half yards per game which is 28th similar with passing a little bit of a drop off for the bills and a little bit of an uptick for the patriots but still buffalo is ninth new england is 24th rushing the bills jump back up to seventh and then the patriots are pretty static right around that 25 threshold and then scoring. I mean, look at this. The Bills are sixth in the <laughs> NFL, averaging just under 27 points per game. And like I mentioned with Mark, the Patriots are barely averaging 14 points per game, which ranks dead last. 
I knew that they were pretty shy in terms of points, but when I was looking at it today, I was like, whew, that is nothing. But okay, so perfect example here to my point. I think it's important that we look at these numbers because you can formulate the game plan, especially once you see the defensive stats coming up and you would say, okay, here's what you want to do with the game plan. But the reason I say don't read into this too much is look what happened in the first matchup. We thought that the Patriots offense would be terrible and the Bills defense would have their way because no way a team that averages 14 points per game is going to score more than 15 on the Bills. Well, Mac Jones scored 29. So that's why I'm just saying do everything in moderation. Yeah, I mean, it's not at some points that, you know, division games throw the numbers out the window. But I do think that um, there is something to be said for numbers in general. And I do think that they're going to regress to the mean. They already got their win to me. I don't think there's much of a chance they sweep. I would think a one in one situation is about New England's um, ceiling. Um, but we'll see if they're able to uh, cause more havoc as we get into the defensive side of the ball now. Um, and the Bills defense is still playing some quality football and they played some for situations they were put in last week, Kevin, they played some quality football uh, all day, including their pass rush, pass rush, 50 sacks, third in the league. Um, they're going to, they've stayed top three for the majority of the season uh, in pass rush and a lot of other facets. So uh, what do we got here on the defensive side? Yeah. So this is where the Bills and Patriots are, are pretty similar. Uh, New England actually has a better total defense than the Bills. They are ranked eighth and Buffalo is 10th. And then Buffalo has the advantage in terms of passing defense coming in at ninth and the Patriots are 15th. And then again, like we talked about with Mark, the Patriots are second. They are only averaging 84.8 yards per game on the ground. And then the bills have slipped as of late. They are now up to 111.3 yards per game. But then with that Ben, but broke Ben, but don't break defense. The bills are still top four in scoring only allowing 18.4 points per game. And really, there's not too much of a drop-off here. The Patriots are only allowing three more points per game, but that drops them all the way to 16th. So I, I think both teams are pretty similar here in terms of defense. And again, that comes back to my point that the Bills are going to have to win this with their offense, specifically Josh Allen's arm. Interesting. And you kind of look at the last time these two teams played right after a couple of big time injuries in Jacksonville uh, in London against Jacksonville. Uh, you saw Mac Jones go 25 for 30 for 272 and two touchdowns. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 11 yards for 31. Ramondre Stevenson only rushed nine times for 34 yards. Who is out of this game, but did have that big time reception with the illegal man downfield uh, went for six catches for 51 yards. Uh, who unfortunately won't be playing in this game for New England. So that was a big chunk out of the offense, what they were able to do the first time. They had a couple of big Pharaoh Brown catches, a couple of 26-yard catches. Uh, Pharaoh Brown, their backup tight end, uh, had some had some big catches. And then the Mike Gusecki, two catches for five yards and a touchdown, pretty much a walk-off touchdown uh, to beat the Bills in that game. Two fumble, or a fumble, excuse me, one by Josh Allen, uh, one by Kendrick Bourne, uh, but then Josh did throw the pick as well, so that was enough. Allen got sacked once, uh, so that wasn't really a wasn't really an issue the last time these two teams played. Jordan Poyer recording the only sack of the day for the Bills. Christian Barmore uh, for the Patriots, uh, but they were a little bit different of teams. Jabril Peppers was healthy. Juwan Bentley was healthy. Anthony Jennings, J.C. Jackson was playing at that time. Uh, so there was definitely who's now you know you know done um, you know not playing at the moment. So there's definitely some some mild some mild changes there. 
uh, with what this Patriots defense did. And we'll see how motivated they are going into this one. Uh, and then we have some more additional stats. Let's take a look at the final bit of box score. Bring us home, Kevin. Yeah, so the main thing that I want to take away from here, you mentioned the sacks. The Bills are third in the whole league with 50 sacks this year. New England is tied for 24th Ooh, half. with 34. I'll say it again. Oh, almost half. Like um, a good chunk less in the sack category. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I will say they are without Matthew Judon. He played four games this year and had four sacks in those four games. So there is a reason for the drop-off. So if Judon was playing, you would like to think that they probably have at least 40, maybe even 45 sacks. But either way, I mean, Buffalo's defense has been really, really solid this year with all those injuries. And then look at the point differential. Buffalo is fifth in the entire league with a plus 127 point differential. And then New England is the complete opposite. They are fifth worst with a minus 110. So what, the Bills have scored 227 more points than the Patriots. And again, that just goes back to Josh Allen has to be Josh Allen this week. Stephon Diggs has to get back to being wide receiver one. And this team should roll. But to my point that I've been trying to make all night, just take it with a grain of salt because this is a Patriots and they're going to throw everything at the Bills this week. 237 point difference. Um, it's a lot. Uh, I think these stats are more influential than the others. I think it's hard to overcome some of these. The sack numbers, crazy different, uh, without pressure to Josh Allen and pressure to, uh, as we heard about Bailey Zappi, that's a huge difference. Uh, they're giving the way of the ball a lot, but not taking it away a lot. Um, you know, they're 26 in the differential there, uh, 24th in sacks, 28th. And I mean, at some point in that having the 31st ranked special teams, those were some of the elements that would got the Chargers team kind of in that game in position uh, to take away a win. Uh, I don't know. Some of the some of the fringe statistics don't look good for New England in this one. Uh, they basically have one path, in my opinion, and that's get the Bills to turn over three plus times. Um or it's going to be challenging based on the way that they, the style that they play football. And the Bills are really good at home. Minus 112 man on the field uh, situation with a coordinator now fired uh, in a special team situation where the Bills should have won anyways. The Bills are very good at home. The only other loss is London. That's not a home. Yeah, that's more of a road game. Um, so just, just completing the trifecta of looking to go really seven and one at home. Um, I do think this team plays a lot better. Look at Dallas. Uh, look what they were able to do against the Jets at home. This team plays a lot better at home right now, especially late in the year. It's why the Bills go on the stretches uh, of games. So ultimately, I think the home does matter without the lag. The extra day rest this time compared to the extra uh, three days the Chargers had. There are, and then the fired coach, there are a lot of differences between the situations of the game um, that hopefully are on the Bills' favor as they look forward to a big probably most likely a big week 18 game um that they go into but maybe it won't mean anything there's a chance that if a games go a certain way that game doesn't actually mean anything if the, the dolphins are able to beat the ravens we may be talking about how much do we play josh allen if they're both locked into the two and the six uh which could be a situation possibly that we will have to entertain if uh baltimore doesn't get it done so uh this game could be the best game of the week or it could be a game where it's one o'clock next Sunday uh, against some backups playing in that football game. So we'll, we'll see how this week goes first, but that's definitely something to, to be noted uh, about the future week. So um, playoff scenarios time, Kevin, um, you know, kind of wrapping up real quickly on the defense. I think just get after Bailey's happy. 
I mean, they're not going to run the ball particularly well in this game, in my opinion. Their offensive line's banged up. Um, I think that the, the keys to success make Zappy make some ridiculous throws, keep him in the pocket, get after him. Like I said, he sacked 10% of his dropbacks. Uh, make him feel that, get him off the field on third down, put him in third and long, then get sacked on second down. Um, then you don't even need the sack on third down. Uh, so I do, I do think there's situations to where you got, you got Ed Oliver going for double digits. You have Floyd in double digits, you know, is Epinesa back. Don't forget the bills are actually getting healthier. You know, you have Kyrie activated. Will you even see, uh, will you even see uh, a situation to where they need Daquan Jones in this game? Um, you know, Kyrie Elam won't play most likely. So they're, they're getting healthier at the position to really wear down the stretch. It's only going to be missing Milano uh, and Trey White in this game and Razul Douglas, you know, I don't know. I don't even know where that fits in. Bills have three top uh, ten, uh, top 20 corners as it is. Uh, but we're going to bring you in one final piece of, of game throw that we saw against the Chargers. Kevin, if you wanted to queue up the, uh, the Josh Allen throw last week. Yeah, before we continue on with our show, we just have to talk about this for a few minutes because, you know, I tweeted about this saying how we've all been waiting for that big Josh Allen play, whether it's a nasty stiff arm or a hurdle or he trucks over a linebacker or just something special. And I feel like we've been under the impression that Josh has been great. He's been an MVP candidate, but he hasn't had that one signature play. But, I mean, look at this. When I saw the screenshot of this, it made me really realize that we have seen those signature plays. Because this was not only a game-changing play, but a season-changing play. Third and four from the 28-yard line, and he's facing an all-out blitz. And look at that. Three chargers in his face. He throws that. I believe his feet are both in midair. I mean, that's just an insane throw. And he threw it a good 20, 30 yards down the field. Khalil Shakir caught it, and that made the field goal that much easier for Tyler Bass. That's an MVP type of play right there. And then when you go back to the Kansas City game, when he was falling out of bounds, again, three guys in his face, and he somehow got it to Latavius Murray, the Bills ended up punting on that drive. So that wasn't the game-winning field goal drive. So I feel like sometimes these plays go under the radar because maybe they don't generate the most likes on Twitter or Instagram because you know Josh Allen didn't put that nasty stiff arm on Nick Scott, or he didn't hurdle Justin Reed or anyone else for that matter. He didn't break any angles. But when you see that play in slow motion or with the screenshot right there, that just shows how special Josh Allen really is. Absolutely. And you see they same situation in Kansas City. They converted the first down and the Bills threw it three times. Here, they converted the first down. They run it three times. Um, so you see kind of a different element of maybe decision-making by, uh, by Joe Brady. Um, it was almost the same situation right before the two-minute warning. Uh, it was very, very similar way to handle it. Very similar time. Very similar style of game. Very similar closeness. Uh, so you might you might have saw some development there happen from uh, from the offensive coordinator and got, gave you guys the run that everybody was looking for. Chewed it all the way down to seconds on the clock uh, and did the um, the Chargers did only need a field goal to win it. A lot of discussion about should they have scored the touchdown? Did you want the touchdown or not? It's a difficult scenario um, because teams have been known to get into field goal range with less time than that. No timeouts is a difficult challenge. That's the big thing that 13 seconds had was the slew of timeouts that Patrick Mahomes had 
uh, is completely different than no timeouts. It is a free, essentially, when you're looking at it on an offensive perspective, by the time you get up and snap it, it's a free 25 seconds per timeout. Obviously, it's 40 on defense. Uh, but on the offensive side, you're looking at about, you know, if you use two to three, two timeouts, 50 extra seconds on the clock. Uh, so I always say that Mahomes had a minute plus because that's about how much time it would have can come off the clock without timeouts. And the Chargers, again, with a backup quarterback, did not have those timeouts. One sack ends the game uh, just because the timeouts don't non-existent uh, in these scenarios. And as you look at the final thing I want to say before we get into some final scenario talk, um, which is very clear now uh, in the way of what the Bills need to do, a lot clearer than it was in the past weeks when we go over scenarios. Um, let's talk about some DVOA. The Bills are you know, still third uh, in the league here uh, in DVOA. Um, second offensively only to the 49ers, 12th defensively, 18th special teams. Uh, so they've climbed their way all the way back to the third best team uh, in the league with advanced metrics. Uh, which is which is pretty cool to see them. You know, at one point they were down to eight or ninth. Um, they've climbed their way all the way back uh, to the top three, basically against Baltimore, San Francisco, um, them in Miami. For the most part, are kind of in a four pack of their own, um, and we'll see what that looks like as the Ravens play the Dolphins this week in a most obvious game of our scenarios that we need to talk about first. But first, our playoff scenarios are brought to you by Sons of Erie. www.sonsoferie.com. Com. Get out there and check out all of their hard work that they do uh, on a daily basis, um, as well as Tuscany, right, Kevin? That's right. Once again, Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer offering an old school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers and more, as well as a full scale deli, subs and sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram and visit their shop at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of Routes 20 and 60 in Fredonia. And check out our Built in Buffalo post at Kemmel with Brad. It looked very good. Those rolls look great. And we'll bring you some more action on what the, what Tuscany has to offer, as well as brought to you by the Summit Center. Go out there for some of the best autism care in Western New York. They treat not only adults, but children in special education programs. Donations are um very helpful to helping kids uh, get the education and resources they need here in the Western New York community. Uh, but let's bring up these playoff scenarios. I've been tweeting them. I've been you know active on them as many have seen uh, throughout the days. I try to get them to you live. Like, you know, um, the biggest thing that I've done is study them inside and out so that I know I can answer questions right away. I don't have to pull up a generator. I don't have to pull up the tiebreaker scenarios. I don't have to look at uh, different ways that the bills can do this or that. I generally have it all figured out uh, for the most part um, in in a way that uh, I think is pretty, pretty, pretty productive. You know, I don't have to read other people's tweets to figure this stuff out. Um, you know, I kind of think about it and break it down in a way that's pretty easily. Uh, so pinned at the top of my feed on X, uh, you'll notice how the Bills can just clinch a playoff scenario. It's very simple. Win a game against New England and have Pittsburgh. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati against KC in KC, Pittsburgh in Seattle, uh, both both results you should have, you clinched. Um, and then you go in pretty scot-free into the Miami game, playing just for the division, uh, hopefully, uh, in that specific game. But also ways they can clinch is a Jacksonville and Cincy loss, a Pittsburgh um, and uh, Jacksonville loss, a Cincinnati and Jacksonville loss. Pittsburgh, Indy, Houston all losing, or Cincinnati, Indy, Houston. Follow me on X to see 
all five of those truly clinching win scenarios. There are some tie scenarios. Uh, they're not even worth getting into because I don't believe the Bills and um, the Patriots tie, but those are the five ways um, that the Bills uh, can clinch. And I think that any one of those five could hit. I don't know which one will. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh's the most likely one to hit, um, but any ones um, can hit in this specific week because we've seen crazier things happen uh, in past weeks to help out the Buffalo Bills. And now it's time. Let me show you it in, in written form as well. I'm going to bring this up for everybody to take a peek at. It's basically what we just went through there. Uh, but I want to make sure that we uh, we take a look at it. So let's put it up. Let's bring it up again this week uh, on the rooting interest guide. And here we go. Um, so if you kind of look through it, you see the official rooting guide. It's, it's basically what we talked about. Patriots and Bills. Obviously, very important in the situation. NFC games don't really matter anymore. There's no real reason to care. Strength of victory is not going to play a role in any of the situations. Raiders at Colts. Pesky Raiders team, as Mark mentioned. Uh, that is one of the scenarios uh, where one of the three teams that the Bills need to lose, uh, that 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 could hit. So, obviously, we're rooting for the Raiders pretty heavily in the Raiders-Colts, and that game could absolutely hit uh, and be helpful for the Bills if they need it. More NFC games, who cares? Uh, Panthers and Jaguars, same thing. A Panthers victory alone puts the Bills in tremendous shape. Um, can the Panthers get it done? Possibly against Bethard of the Jaguars. The Jaguars have been faulting. They're as bad as I thought they would be. Uh, glad I got that prediction right in the beginning of the year. Everyone was telling me they were going to win 13 games, 14 games. Uh, I mean, they're they're scrapping away to get nine uh, at this point. So that's where the Jaguars are at. Big win for the Bills if they can get a Panthers victory. Dolphins, Ravens, need I say more? No idea how this isn't five out of five. Uh, it's four. Uh, the Bills can absolutely not do anything without a Dolphins loss to the Ravens. They still have a chance at the sixth seed, but it's so important to the Bills. They need this. Or the Dolphins clinch, and they and they have the inside track. They're playing the Bills for the one seed next week in a situation where they might get it because the Bills really won't be playing for a ton if they get a clinching scenario. So the Dolphins could be playing for the one seed. Or they could be, um, you know, playing for the division. So there's definitely going to be a situation where the Dolphins are going to be playing their starters because if they win against the Ravens, they just need to beat the Bills, uh, and they are the NFL's one seed. And reversely, the Bills may not be playing for anything next week in that situation uh, if they have it clinched and have a couple games go their way. They're already the sixth seed. I don't know how much you you, you push it in a scenario where you're already going to Kansas City. Uh, that would be locked in. You're going to Kansas City. So if the Dolphins win, they're looking good for the one seed, and the Bills are locked into the six for the most part if they get some games go their way. Uh, and they're be playing, they're going to be playing KC in Arrowhead anyways if the Ravens do not pull off the win against the Dolphins. So that would be an interesting topic that we'll have to discuss next week if the result goes that way. But if not, and the Ravens win, the Bills will be playing for the number two seed and the rights to host Indy or Houston or maybe even Pittsburgh. So we'll see how that plays out. Similarly, Titans-Texans, a Titans victory does really help the Bills. Couldn't be a final clinching scenario where the Bills would clinch the sixth seed off. They get a couple of these go their way. Seahawks-Steelers, uh, a pretty big game for their playoff odds. I'd like to see this as a higher because the Bills could really use the Steelers losing to the Seahawks. Uh, it is definitely one way that, um, that helps them out optimally. This Chargers-Broncos game is interesting. Um, it doesn't really mean much to me. Uh, I don't I don't really think there's much discussion there. 
Bengals Chiefs were obviously rooting for a Chiefs victory in this one. The Chiefs are pretty much locked in at the three seed. They pretty much play the Bills, maybe the Dolphins. Uh, so there's they're not playing for a ton, but they need to make sure they win their division here first. Uh, would go a long way to make sure that they beat the Bengals. If they don't, it's not optimal for the Bills, but it really puts the Chiefs into a situation to where uh, they need to make sure that they win a game here. Uh, so that's basically how the rooting interests uh, kind of kind of wrap up here uh, into Week 17. And the biggest challenge here is with these with the rooting interests are if the Bills don't happen to get it done against the Dolphins. One of the biggest things you have to remember is the Bengals could be playing in a situation um, against the against the Browns that doesn't mean too much because the Browns may already been locked into the five seed here this week. Similarly to the Steelers, when they have to go to play the Ravens, if the Ravens beat the Dolphins, Ravens are in. They're the one seed. They're clinched. How much do they play in a game where the Bills would need the uh, Ravens to beat the Steelers uh, in that game if they're able to overcome the Seahawks? So that's why it's a five-star to me. Uh, uh, in this game because they're going to possibly play a Ravens team next week that that could rest their starters or at least not really have any motivation to uh, play their top plays as they go into the playoffs. Similarly, the Bengals, if the Bengals are all able to overcome to the Chiefs, that's no bueno either because they play the Browns in a situation to where they could be locked into the five seed and really use a rest week uh, where they wouldn't be playing for anything. So, Kevin, what are your opinions on that? So you you see how important this week is to have it clinched so that you can have a premier destination for the number two seed or have the six seed locked, because I don't know how much help you're going to get next week when really you'll be focusing on the Dolphins. Yeah, I was going to say, so you might have already mentioned this throughout the show, but what are the odds for the Bills playoff chances if they beat New England, but then lose to Miami? Or 97%. If the Bills go one and one, it doesn't really matter which way, actually, because they would, wouldn't win the division. So it's 97% if the Bills go one and one here uh, in week 17 and 18. There's a 97%. So even if they drop to New England and then beat Miami or vice versa, there's still a 97% chance that they'd make it a 10 and seven. If they go, if they go one and one, that's correct. Huh? Okay. I mean, I guess that kind of falls upon some of these other teams that have been slipping as of late, right? Because maybe like, like the Texans haven't been as potent. Maybe the Colts, they're kind of on the they fringe. They play Same each other too. So one of them gets a, the Colts and the Texans play each other next week. So one of them gets another loss too, on top of it. True. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks pretty good in general for the bills to at least clinch the playoffs, right? Then it's just a matter of, can they win the division? What seat are they going to be? Who plays where? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? I mean, we'll have to worry about that further down the line, but I mean, the bills have done what they've had to do so far. They they've won three tough games, Kansas city, Dallas, and the chargers. If Tyler Bass didn't make that kick, if Ed Oliver didn't come up with that sack, if Josh Allen didn't make that superhero play, we would be looking at a completely different setup here, a completely different scenario. So I'm just lucky. I'm thankful that the Bills are 9-6, and six, even if it was stressful. They've done what they've had to do, and it looks like the Bills are in a pretty good shot or, or pretty good spot to at least clinch playoff berth. Yeah, and the Bills can make a playoff situation losing to the Pats and winning in Miami. It's similar each way. So going one and one, whether you lose either the game, at this stage of the game, the way the breakdown is going to work, it doesn't matter. It's an AFC game. Uh, you're going to lose the division anyways. So regardless of who you go one and one against, the Bills are looking good. It does put them in a situation, though, that we're probably the seven seed and probably going to Baltimore or Miami, uh, if that matters to you, uh, with no chance at a home game. 
So that's what you would lose by losing, but it does still look fairly good for the playoffs if you can go one and one um, going into it. And it's going to lead for an interesting, the Bills beat the Patriots. It's going to lead for an interesting week 18 scenarios uh, next week, in which we're going to probably have to talk about either going for the number two seed, which with the by virtue of the Chiefs losing to the Raiders is the only path for the Bills. There's only one, the threes out, Kevin, the fours out, the fives pretty much out. The two seed is the only thing the Bills can acquire beside the six and then a chance at the seven as well. So that is where the playoffs, they can't get the one, three, four, or really five. So it's really going to be a two seed from this, the gate where they were at six and six uh, to get the two seed is very much in reach, but it does require two wins and a Ravens win. It's it. It's it. It's not a crazy scenario. It's not a crazy path. A lot of people think it could happen, um, but uh, I, I realistically think that the number two seed has just, and I tweeted out the odds of this um, just a couple days ago uh, of what I believe to be the odds of each of those scenario groups. Uh, and I'll read those off to you just for reference point. 23% chance at the second seed, 35% chance at the sixth seed, 31% chance at the seven seed, 10% chance of being out of the playoffs. So that's how the numbers all play out. So knowing that the Bills having a real chance at the two seed, Kevin, where, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel good because that's what I've been predicting right along. I didn't think that they'd jump all the way from the 11 to the two. But when I predicted that a few weeks ago, I said, hey, it's going to come down to the 10 and six Bills taking on the 11 and five Dolphins. And the winner gets a division in week 18. And everything is still in front of them. Now we are just huge Ravens fans this weekend. They are. Uh, and the, 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 by virtue of the Ravens beating the 49ers too, uh, the Ravens can still get the one seed losing to the dolphins and the bills bailing them out next week by beating the dolphins in a game where the bills possibly are playing for the playoffs, but possibly not playing for anything. So that's going to be an interesting scenario. I really don't know what to do for next week's show. I can't even prep for our show next week, uh, until Monday, because, uh, there's just no way to know. Is Josh Allen playing? I mean, there is a world that you may rest some of your starters, uh, especially in a, where you didn't earn the buy. Um, it's going to be a very interesting discussion based on how many of those rooting interests go your way this week. If all of them go your way, you ain't playing your starters um, if the Ravens uh, don't win. So that's that's what's really interesting. You could get so much help to where you basically get a buy because although you didn't win the division, uh, you're locked into the six seed and you're fairly certain you're positively if you're not playing for the division that means Miami and Baltimore Miami won and that means that they're the one and the two regardless and that means that you're going to Arrowhead so in a, in this world you already know you're going to Arrowhead uh it's going to be very interesting to see how the Bills play that 3v6 game one that many could have thought been the AFC championship game uh is now based on their schedules and the way it worked a wild card round game uh, one where they haven't been playing great, but you never want to have to go through Arrowhead to start this runoff. Uh, so it's going to, I'd much rather prefer the 2v7 game uh, with hosting Indy, hosting Houston, hosting Pittsburgh. Uh, I'd much prefer that over going to Arrowhead uh, as a possible path. That's actually, lastly here, uh, let me tell you that percentage. You're right now, 27% chance you're going to Arrowhead at the moment. Uh, which is very, very, very interesting. 7% chance you're hosting the Colts. Uh, so those are your two of your more likely scenarios. And then if the Dolphins don't get it done, 
um, meaning they lose to you as the Bills, uh, but maybe they lose to the Ravens as well. There's a chance that they could down, bounce down to the three seed if the Chiefs went out. Thus, you're going to Miami. So those are the three likely hosting Indy, going to Arrowhead, or possibly going back to back weeks to Miami. But Miami cannot come here. They have officially clinched the sixth seed in the NFL playoffs. And if the Bills win the division, they're the two. It's the Miami slash Bills matchup won't happen if the Bills win the division. Miami and KC in the 3v6 game sounds mighty interesting. Wouldn't that be crazy if the Bills host the Colts again? Because for as much as we've been saying this has similar vibes to the 21 season, that's what the Bills did, right? That was a 21 season where they had the Ravens. Oh, wait, no, no, my bad. That was was 2020. That was 2020, yeah. But still, I mean – it is very reminiscent where they were seven and six. They lose that tough NFC game against the reigning NFC champ. And then they win their final four games. And then they host they host the Colts in the first round of the playoffs. And again, uh, correction, it was 2020, not 21. But just different, similar vibes coming from different seasons under the Josh Allen era here. Yeah, that Colts team was a lot better um than this one is but hey Gardner Minshew might be able to get it done uh I don't I don't know I don't think that they have much of a chance but then that even more importantly than that it puts a really big 3v6 game that the Bills get to avoid in a Miami situation having to go to Arrowhead and needing to win there or their season is one and done again um so we're gonna have to see how that all plays out or the Chiefs are done out of the playoff bracket uh which could prove to be interesting because then Miami would go to Baltimore uh, in a rematch just from a couple weeks prior. So that's very interesting path. The path is world's better, uh, which isn't always the case. You get to avoid Cincy. You possibly get to not have to play the Chiefs. You, you may avoid Miami. Like you have a situation to where you're looking at like a, like a lineup of Indy, Cleveland slash Jacksonville, and then into whoever's left on the other side, maybe Baltimore, maybe Miami. So that could be the way that the uh, bracket plays out. It is world better that the Bills would deserve a bracket like that after some of the ones that they've had to face uh, in your like a like a Lamar slash Patrick Mahomes bracket, or last year with Burrow having to go through a good Miami team, missing Tua into uh, into Joey Burrow and then into Mahomes. What what I mean that is just not an ideal path. The Bills could get the path go their way for once of all years in 2023 when they're playing to uh, to earn their way to the Super Bowl in a year where people were talking about draft and mock drafts. So we'll see how this could go because you could get a Bills-Dolphins AFC championship game in Buffalo um, if things go a certain way. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. Neither is a Bills-Dolphins in Miami either if the Bills aren't able to secure the division. And it's out of their control but Baltimore, I do believe, is the better team. They're healthier. Um, they're going to want the ones he'd locked up. I do believe that the Ravens will give the Bills something to play for next week. Uh, but in return, you better not slip up because the Ravens are not going to give you a, de- a second game of help because I do not believe they go out and beat uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you better not lose in a game where you need it because um, because you're not going to get much help with teams resting players in Week 18. You need to get it done this week in week 17, and hopefully that help comes uh, this week because I don't believe you're going to get much of it next week. So that's rooting interest a little longer this week, but a lot to talk about. Next week, there'll be no rooting, real rooting interest to talk about a few things that the Bills will need. 
but hopefully all we're talking about on rooting interest next week is beat the dolphins. Um, hopefully that's the only discussion we need to have uh, going forward. So we'll see if that's right. Or if we're talking about resting players or what we're talking about. So tune in next week at Tuesday show. You won't have a guest because we'll have a lot to talk about in this game. Um, and I want to make sure that we have enough time for everything, but Kevin, Let's bring us home with some final points of the day, some wrap-up thoughts that we have here on the Going Deep Buffalo Show on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. Please like the show. Like, that would mean the world. If you could like that show, it helps us bring amazing content. And please, for all of our on-demand listeners, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts and all your streaming platforms. But, Kevin, what are some of your final thoughts you have going into this big Week 17 matchup with what could have perceived to be, um, and we're going to get your final thoughts, and then I also want your score prediction. We're going to start with your final thoughts first this week. We're going to switch it up. So tell us your final thoughts of these of this week. Um, you know what What I want from this week? Let's do final thoughts and give us your score prediction at the end. Okay, so my final thought is that the Bills started the season 2-6 and six in one-score games with their sixth loss coming against Philly. Since that game... They have won three games in a row, and two out of those three have been one-score games. So while it hasn't been the prettiest at times, like Saturday night in L.A., the point is the Bills are finding ways to get it done. And like we've been saying right along, we don't care about style points. All we care is that the Bills find ways to win and survive in advance, like Josh Allen says. So if they can keep doing that, then I will be very happy, and then that will lead me into my score prediction I don't think that this is a game where the Bills are going to win 40 to 10. I think they are going to get the Patriots at their best. They're going to throw the kitchen at the Bills, and they're going to do everything that they can to play spoiler. So I have the Bills winning 27 to 13. I think that they will get some explosiveness from their offense at times, but I think that the Patriots will also slow them down at times to the point where you're thinking, hey, like, are we ever going to get going? Come on. And then, you know, eventually Josh Allen will do his thing. Diggs will get his touches. Same, same with uh, James Cook. So I have the Bills winning a, I don't want to say a tight one, but it's not going to be a blowout. So I'm going to go right in the middle and say Buffalo 27, New England 13. Okay. Fairly sizable covering. Um, fairly sizable situation to where knowing that score, maybe a moment or two that's uncomfortable, but for the most part, that seems like a fairly, um, fairly comfortable game throughout the game. The Bills have an 87% chance to win that one per uh, ESPN analytics matchup predictor. Uh, the line is 13 points. The over under is 40, uh, 40.5, excuse me. So, you know, they're expecting a fairly low scoring game, but the Bills winning by 13, um, you know, they, they, they basically have your score prediction, Kevin. They're expecting like a, like a 27, 13, 27, 14 game. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be comfortable. Like you said, where it's like, okay, Pretty sure we're going to win, but we're not doing anything to really pull away. Like the Patriots are just going to be clawing on for dear life. And they're going to hang like around. Awesome and puns, and the, right? Bills aren't, the Bills aren't going to be able to really just, you know, squish them once and for all. Yeah. Where it's probably going to go into the fourth quarter and it's going to take like one more Josh Allen play to seal the deal. And then you can exhale. Well, since your clip of the Bills uh, Eagles loss clip. Uh, you know, you have a chance here to hit the four games going into that uh, Patriots or excuse me, into that Dolphins matchup next week. So we'll see if we're able to replay that clip for you guys uh, next week that Kevin said that he thought they lose to the Eagles uh, and then go on a mini run um, as they do every year in December to get back into a situation to where they're going to possibly win the division 
and yet again for the third time get a two seed in this scenario to where guess what the, the second they change the rules to two seed having the buy not having the buy the bills earned it three times uh mixed in there with a three seed um so that's just the way it works right kevin um, with with the way the two seed, uh, the 2021 season, they were the three and having to go to Arrowhead. 2020, 2022, and possibly 2023, uh, the Bills could have the two seed in hand. So my score prediction, my takeaways are, look, the Bills got have got some, some crazy help. I think you need to put on a show in front of your fans. I've been hearing, and I expect most of the Bills team to play. Uh, I have heard that a lot of them want to play in front of the Bills um, uh, crowd, uh, home crowd. I do expect to see Micah Hyde. We'll see about Daquan Jones. Uh, we'll pretty look good on AJ Epinesa. So they're coming out with their full defense too. So they're coming out healthy, uh, as healthy and as Elam they uh, Elam's ready to go. I don't know if he'll be active or not. Um, they're healthy. I mean, they're healthy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I don't know who you bench. They like they like Lewis on special teams and in certain sub packages. You're already going to have to scratch Hamlin. Um, you know, they like Dane as a as as a as an emergency corner. They start Benford and Razul Douglas and Taron Johnson. Saran Neal plays special teams. I don't know where the roster spots comes from on the active game day roster. So I don't believe you'll see an active Kyrie Elam here. Um, could be wrong, but that would that would be in the form of benching Dane Jackson. So we'll Justin see. Justin Shorter's they, healthy too. Justin Shorter's healthy. They don't have a spot for him. So I don't think you see him suit. I don't have a roster spot for anything. They were yeah. expecting to have roster spots, um, especially after the Phillips injury. Jordan Phillips is pretty much uh, gearing up to hopefully be ready for the divisional round, but he's the only guy out right now with Matt Milano and Trey White. So the rest of the team is fairly ready to go. It's a big week. I still think you see the Bills best. I think you finally see a, a, a similar game to the Jets game. That is a game that I've been kind of scoring on my calendar here of how this thing will go. 34 to 10 is my score prediction. I think it's the over, and I think the Bills cover. It's a little bit grander than yours. I don't generally go. I didn't feel a blowout last week. I went, I went with a comfortable score like you did last week. This week I am feeling the blowout um, because I do think the bills will want to put some pressure on the Miami dolphins um, and their situation. And that's a heck of a game down there. They're missing their center. Are they missing Jalen Waddle to a high ankle sprain? There is a lot to take away and there's going to be a lot to recap next week. So it's going to be Kevin and myself recapping uh, everything that happened this week and talking about the Miami game. Hopefully it matters. Um, I want it to matter, um, but out of all of our control, if it matters or not, it's very likely that that game uh, has some form of not mattering to it. And then we're going to have a whole discussion uh, point. But one final takeaway, Kevin, bring us home. Yeah, I just want to say that I do have a giveaway in honor of Patriots Week. And for the new year, if you go to my Twitter account here, as you can see with the handle at Kevin underscore Syracuse, and uh, I have a giveaway for a signed Damian Harris jersey. So, um, you know, speaking of injuries, mm. unfortunately, he is one who is not playing. But, again, it's still a really nice jersey. It's – actually, I got it right here. I'll just show you real quick. Yeah, sure. Good thing I brought it down here. But you have a chance to win. If I could figure out where to put it. Uh, this signed Damian Harris jersey, very nice, authentic. Like I said, it's the home jerseys. And uh, all you have to do is make sure you're following me on Twitter, retweet it, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is just, I believe that's Kevin underscore Syracuse as well. And then, uh, you know, that got me thinking, because I'm wearing the throwback. Are we, are we ever going to see the Bills wear a throwback skin, Kevin? It's been, what, like a couple of years? Can they, can they announce that tomorrow already? I want to see the Bills 
in throwbacks one more time. I feel like we're not going to, but when I said nope. that about the home blue jerseys and I looked down at my shirt, I was like, come on, what are we doing here? They prefer the red jersey until they until they stop wearing it or they don't want to wear it anymore. They cannot have another um, alternative uniform, as what I've been told. Uh, from the oh, situation. so that's the, the, the color yeah. rushes are the third? And they've already released the jersey. It's white helmet, blue jersey, white pants, blue socks. So they're going oh, okay. blue on white. Yep. Never mind. I'll just wear my throwback to myself. So that is what they'll be wearing. But that is a wrap for us. So we appreciate everybody tuning in to over 90 minutes, uh, almost going on an hour and 40 minutes. We appreciate everybody on the on-demand platforms. We'll have it up for all of our audio listeners. Thank you so much for tuning audio base as well. And to our on-demand listeners, toss in some comments, smash the like button. And we really appreciate all of you to all of our giveaways and to everything that we do here at the Going Deep Buffalo show on the Built in Buffalo uh, podcast network. I'm Kevin. That's Kevin. We'll be back at you next week, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday to hopefully have some big topics, hopefully have some good discussions, and hopefully we'll be talking to Seed. But until then, we'll catch you guys in one week from today.